share something with you this morning. And I wrote some stuff down. There's no way in the world. But I'm not going to keep you to past 12 at least. But I want to talk about the rapture. Okay? I want to talk about the coming of Christ. Amen. It's so important that we... See, when I was first coming up as a Christian, a young Christian, there wasn't too many services we'd go by we wouldn't mention the coming of Christ. Okay? Uh, I, I, I fed on that. I learned from that. I learned that Jesus Christ, I mean, man, I was so ready for him to come. Every time I look in the sky, I say, where? I'm looking for him to come back. So anticipating the return of Christ. I was having some time with the Lord a couple of days ago, and even this morning, and the Lord was speaking to my heart. We're fixing to go into hard times in this country. And your faith will be tested. Wait for it. Don't think it's going to be easy because a lot of Christians are so on easy lane right now. You know what I'm saying? You get where I'm coming from? Where it seems like everything is unky-dory. Everything is smooth. Everybody's okay. Uh, and you know what? And I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see some dangerous trends take place in the believer, Okay? In the Christian, we have gotten lazy. Oh, let me preach on this side. <laughs> we have gotten lazy because we figure out he ain't coming now. He's, he's delayed for another 50, 100, 20, uh, 200 years. He ain't going. Listen, if you can't read the signs, buddy, you are blind. Jesus had made some prophecies during his life. That exists today. You know, when he spoke about the mark, which I'm going to share a little bit on this. It was impossible for that prophecy to be fulfilled in his day. Because just putting a mark on somebody, anybody can write a mark on their, on their body, okay? But the system that Jesus was talking about would have to be any, people had to be identified by, by a system. We talked about a lot about the mark as I was growing up, and a lot, not quite understanding, but today, we'll tell them read that, with the little chip that they have now, they can put all your medical information on that thing, all your financial information, all your history information, your family history. They know everything about you just by passing that scanner over your hand. You go to the bank, or to, to, to the store, you won't need money anymore. You just pass your hand over the, the, uh, the scanner. It'll take money out of your account right there. It sounds good. We, we're about to abolish all drug trafficking, all, uh, all uh, robberies in, in, in stores and, and money transferring. It sounds good. We'll put the, the thief out of business. But the system is now available to fulfill that prophecy of the mark. It's there. It would have never been in, in our lifetime was the only lifetime in history could fulfill that prophecy. Jesus said, nobody but the buy or sell without that mark. You want to go to the hospital? You want to go to the grocery store? You want to go to the bank? You want to go... You don't buy gas, you won't, be able to, you won't be able to do anything. Because that mark is going to be the system. 
Now, turn with me to Matthew 24 before I get too deep into this. I was praying, like I said, and the Lord brought that to my heart. He said, there's fixing to be dark times, okay? Uh, for the Christian that is not committed, for those that have claimed Christ and hasn't really committed to his ways, will be left behind. That's a scary thought, but it, it's going to happen. Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. I was telling Book this morning, I said, we're looking for these millions of people to go into the rapture. There won't be that much. I wish I could, brothers and sisters, I wish I could tell you that ain't real, true, but it is. Because of the commitment of each one of us in our heart toward Jesus, we can miss the rapture. Jesus said he's coming for a church without spot or blemish. Listen, I've been examining my heart a lot the last few I don't want no blemishes or spots. My faith has to be rooted in Christ. Not only I'm saved by him and what he did at Calvary, is that my life is a reflection of that, right? I don't want to be caught up in the world. Because the world, the worldly Christians are going to be left behind. Are you hearing me this morning? Those that haven't committed their life totally to Christ will not make the rapture. And they will not be able to see Jesus. They will be left to take the trials. And the Bible says the tribulation period is going to be a time like no time on the earth has ever seen. We've seen some bad things on this earth. We've seen plagues. We've seen wars. We've seen disease. We've seen earthquakes. We've seen, I mean, you could go on and on, but nothing's going to compare to what's going to take place during the tribulation. Matthew 24, and I was studying on this. It opened my mind so much to what, what condition are you today? I'm not here to judge anybody, Seriously. Because I ask myself that same question in my own life. And Jesus is very clear. When the disciples came to him. And I guess I want to start in uh, verse 3. And they asked him this question. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives. Disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us. When shall these things be? What should be the sign of, the, of your coming and the end of the world, the end of the age? Two questions, because they had approached Jesus with the question about the temple. And they said, you see all this building, this temple? See, they had put their faith in, a, in their religion. Come on, somebody. Amen. They put their faith in the system. And the only thing they had was that temple. In Jerusalem. And the temple became their God. Without the temple, they, they, they didn't think they could get to God. Their temple was the, the solid piece of their faith. But Jesus told them, Lord, there ain't going to be one stone left from this temple and that won't be thrown down. See, God got to get your religion out of the way sometime to get to you. Right? 
Oh, you didn't hear me. <laughs> Sometimes God's got to get your religion out of the way to get to you. So if you've got anything that you put above God's word, I feel like preaching this morning. <laughs> if you've got anything you put above stopping you from dedicating your life to Jesus, he'll get it out of the way. Jesus said, there's not one stone in this temple going to be standing. And in 70 AD, guess what happened? The Romans came and destroyed it, flattened it. What, was she, what, what are we going to do? We don't have the temple no more. But he's, this is the question. But Jesus, they asked him two questions. And what's going to be the sign of your coming and the end of the word? Let me go on a little bit, to, and I'm going to show you what, what he answered, okay? Jesus answered. Somebody say, Jesus answered. Who answered? <laughs> Who's saying this? Okay, let's, we got to set that straight. You know what I'm saying? Lanny's not saying this, right? He says it here. Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no man deceive you. The number one warning that Jesus gave to the disciples, they got a lot of false prophets that are going to come and tell you things that are not right. <laughs> Number one thing he noticed to tell him, be careful because they're coming. False prophets are arising. They're going to tell you lies. They're going to tell you things that are not true. That's going to draw you away from the Lord. Listen, especially in the 1900s, late 1800s, we've had Joseph Smith claims he saw an angel, the head of the Mormon church. Paul, and, and, and that angel was not telling them, telling him what the Bible says. Paul said, if an angel come unto you, preaching any other gospel which you have not heard from us, let him be a curse. So right there you know, if something is telling you something, <clears throat> excuse me, that's not according to the word of God, he's a liar. Right? He warns us to take heed to the deceivers. They got a lot of them out there. More than I've ever saw in my whole Christian walk. Stupid things. Things that are coming out of, out, out of nowhere. Making up things. Lies. And, and what's bad about it, so many Christians are, are, are so willing to grab onto it. When I think about these false teachers today, and I'm not going to name their names. They got thousands of people sitting in front of them every week. And right out lying. Saying things that God never said. Speaking things that the, the, the Bible calls blaspheming. But yet the church worships them. The church puts their whole faith in Don't put your faith in me. Because you're going to find out, follow me, one day I ain't perfect. I never saved a soul in my life. I led people to Christ, but the Holy Ghost saved them. Come on, Jesus. It's the power of God, the power of, of the Holy Ghost that draws the heart, not the power of a preacher. I'm only there to tell you what the Word says. So number one thing he gives to you, the number one warning, I want you to register it in your heart. Take heed that no man deceive you. Jesus is very clear in saying this. He says, for many will come in my name. 
And saying, I am the Christ. Or saying that Jesus is Christ. They're going to use him, his name. Or they're going to prophesy themselves to be Christ. Those two things are very real today. There are preachers out there and ministers out there claiming to be messages of Christ. But yet they're the tool of the devil. Because, you know, most people really have, even in the non-Christian realm, have some regard for Jesus. The, the Muslims call him Isa. They said he's kind of the John the Baptist of the Muslim faith. He's going to come back and proclaim before well, uh, uh, Muhammad. And, and, and they, they, they profess Moses as a mighty prophet. The Muslim profess Jesus as a great prophet. They don't call him the son of God. See, it sounds good almost till you get to, he is the son of God. Jesus is the son of God. He is, the Bible says, the word made flesh. And he dwells among us. God, Emmanuel, dwelling among us. That's what the Bible teaches, right? So when someone comes and professes that Jesus is not the Christ, he's an antichrist. My Lord. <laughs> Listen, right now, and I know we just a few this morning, but I want you to listen to me. When you hear a preacher say, well, there's many ways to God, and I know some of them. Run. You're right. Turn away. When a preacher starts saying, yes, you know, God, the Holy Ghost, and, and all that, and Jesus, but you know what? Start changing the message. The Bible says they'll have a form of godliness. In the last days. For perilous times will come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Boastful. Proud. Blasphemous. Unthankful. I feel the Holy Ghost. Unholy. Without natural affection. Truth breakers. Disobedient to parents. Incontinent. Unholy. And they'll have a form of godliness. What does that mean, a form? They're going to look like Christians. They're going to look like godly people. But they're going to deny the Holy Ghost, the power thereof. My Bible says, y'all, from such turn away. You should never think that God is overlooking preachers that say, yeah, we don't need the Holy Ghost anymore. We don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit no more. Healing is not for today. Come on now, listen, I, I'm not lying. I can name a, a mainstream denomination that calls itself Christian, that turns around and say, healing is not for today. My Bible says God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. Amen. I've been healed by him. Thank God I read the scriptures because I, I wouldn't be healed today if I listened to a liar. I remember a story of a, of a, of a, of a young lady dying of disease. She was a Baptist. And through the Baptist church, they tell you that God don't heal today. It died off with the apostles. I didn't write that. You could read that yourself in their doctrines. That they died with the last apostle. No, God don't heal it. And she's looking at the scriptures, and she's, she's Baptist, and she starts reading. She says, for any sick among you, call on the elders of the church. Anointed with all, that the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And if they have committed any sin, it shall be forgiven. And she started reading those scriptures. She said, you know, wait a minute. I thought my pastor said, uh, God don't heal. <laughs> and 
And she started reading other scriptures about healing and other scriptures. And she said, wait a minute, I'm going to try this. And she, she was healed in an instant because she believed the word of God. She didn't believe a flaky, backslidden preacher. She believed the word of God. Come on, somebody. She believed that God said it. That settles it. It's not going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he healed in the past, he's going to heal today. So one of the deceivers, Jesus came. He said, take heed that no man deceive. You want to be robbed of God? Listen to a lying preacher and see how far you go. You want to miss out on the things of God? Listen to a preacher that, that won't preach the gospel to make people feel good. And see how far you'll go with God. You'll be doing the same thing the world is doing. Love not the world. Neither the things are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All is in the world. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. My Bible says that. You, do, you, can, go, you can go look at that in 1 John chapter 2, verse around verse 15. It tells you plainly. You don't love God's word. <laughs> you don't love God. You love the world. You don't love God. I'm not talking about the the people. I'm talking about the system, the entertainment, the practice of the world. You love that? You can't love God. Oh, man, come on, somebody. I said, you love that? You can't love God. I didn't write that. The Holy Ghost wrote that, right? Jesus said, take no heed and no man deceive you. He says, for many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and will deceive many. You shall hear of wars. Well, how many of you are hearing that today? Huh? Well, they always had none as much as they have now. They got, they got so many wars going on in these little different nations, you can't count them. We just hear the main ones. We don't hear of the ones that's not mentioned. There's people fighting over land. There's people fighting over borders. There's people fighting over, over you know, all kind of stuff. And it's not just in Afghanistan and and uh, uh, Ukraine, it, there's wars all over. You go travel Africa. Man, they have so many little wars going on in little different countries. I mean, it's unreal. Wars every day. And it's only getting worse and worse and worse. So Jesus told us to beware of the wars, famine. All these things are a sign of the end. He says, you hear wars and rumors of wars? See that you not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. <laughs> You're going to see them, but it's not yet. Something else has to happen before the end comes, right? He says, for nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in various places or diverse places where you never saw them before. And all these things are what? The beginning of sorrow. All this is only the start. It's going to be nothing to what the tribulation is going to be like, right? How the darkness that's going to... You know what? I've always, in years, I've got that in my heart. What is tribulation? Well, we look at tribulation as troubles, right? When you go through... Trials, you go through tribulation. But tri tri the tribulation of that time, I see it, and you correct me if I'm wrong, it's a way to let sin destroy itself. Come on, 
You get what I'm saying? So where sin is so bad that the sin is going to eat the people. And they're going to destroy each other. Right? It's only beginning. The beginning of sorrow. It's not going to be nothing to what you're going to see during that seven-year tribulation. Let me go on, because I know I ain't got the whole day to do. I'm going to try to sum it up in the next 20 minutes. <laughs> if I can. Tribulation is a time the Bible calls the time of Jacob's trouble. You read in Daniel, especially John chapter 9 to 11, he talks about a, a, a person that's going to arise. And most of you have been long enough to know who, what the Antichrist is. The word Antichrist means false Christ. That's what it means. Antichrist. And what he's going to do, he's going to come on the scene and he's going to cause great things to happen that no man has ever done. The wars are going to cease in the world. I mean, he's going to do some things that politicians have been trying to do for years and years and years. He's going to cause great peace on the earth. And people are going to flock to him. He's going to flock to him because he, now we can live at peace with our brothers. And we can live at peace with, with other nations. Now, now we know. Here they're going to take him as the real Messiah. So the, the first, before that happens, there has to be a treaty signed with Israel. See, Israel is the problem in the world. That's what the world is saying. Okay? They're not the problem, but it is. The whole thing about the tribulation is to, is to deal with Israel. That's the whole thing. God wants to bring his people to repentance. He wants to bring the nation of Israel because he had promised through Abraham to bless them. And even though they went through many years of rebellion, Boogie was talking about Samson, but before Samson, they had many judges that would arise. If you ever read the book of Judges, they would do good, God would bless them, and they prospered, and all of a sudden they start sinning. They start committing idolatry, start worshiping other gods, which the Bible tells them not to do. And God would give them over to other kingdoms. And after a while, they've been persecuted, then they would repent. And it happened quite a few times in the book of Judges that God would always rise up somebody to be a, a leader and lead them back to the Lord, but they'd always go back. <laughs> and you see that happening constantly in the, in, in the book of Judges, always, when it comes down to Samson and, and a few others. But the thing is I'm trying to make is that we always seem to go back. We always seem to forget what God has done for us, Right? In the tribulation period, Israel is on its last leg, right? The Antichrist comes. You see, that whole thing about the tribulation is to build that temple. See, it was destroyed in 70 AD, and it's never been rebuilt. So they want to rebuild it back. And the only way that could be possible is that if the Jews and the Muslims come in agreement, <coughs> they got to agree that the temple could be, because the Muslims are going to fight to the nail, not to let it be built. But the Antichrist is going to come, and he's going to sign this treaty, and everything's going to be good, and the temple's going to be built. And all of a sudden, great peace. The Bible says when they're going to cry, peace and safety. Then comes sudden destruction. Because they're going to sign this seven-year tribulation period with Israel. Halfway in, the, in, in, in the, uh, the tribulation, 
Now, Antichrist is going to break that. He's going to put himself in the temple and proclaim himself to be God. And the Jews are going to realize that Jesus was the Messiah all along. And they're going to flee because he's going to kill multitudes of them. <coughs> and what's going to happen during this time, there's going to be death. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be persecution like we've never seen. And what's bad about the whole world is going to be involved in it. Because the Bible says that Jerusalem is a, is a, is a, is a trembling pot throughout the whole world. They're fighting for that one city. Notice how many times you watch the news and stuff. They're fighting for that one city. Because that's God's city. Satan knows if he can get rid of that, God, that, that, that city, he can get rid of the prophecies that God wrote in the Word. The tribulation is a time to let God, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. But the Antichrist is going to have the whole system of the world caught up in this. That nation is going to give up their sovereignty. America's going to have to give up its constitution. Land's going to have to give up their freedoms so everybody can get under this one man. What's bad about it, y'all, they're going to be freely ready to do it. Do you know how important the American Constitution is for all people? For whites and blacks and Americans and Indians and, and Spanish and everybody that comes here. They, they have rights under that Constitution. You take that out, nobody got rights. A lady from the NRA called me. She was talking about, you know, uh, free, gun free freedom. And I'm all for that. I said, ma'am, they take away your religious freedom. You can kiss your gun rights goodbye. I said, you, you better, that's, they're fighting for the wrong thing, buddy. That whole constitution is, is, is built. On the freedom to worship God. All these things that were written were written, you know, free right to privacy, uh, uh, own land. That's all biblical principles. Every one of them. So you take your religious freedom away, you could kiss the rest of them goodbye. <coughs> but there won't be that kind of freedom in America or in the world at that time. If America exists. That's another story. But tribulation is the time of Jacob's trouble. It's to bring Israel to repentance. That's what it's for. But here he goes, and he's warning them about this. Are y'all listening to me this morning? I don't want to go ahead over your heads in a little bit. It says, then they shall, verse 9, they shall deliver you up into tribulation and kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now, you got to remember, Matthew and, and I'll, I'll tell people that we, prophecy in this book is for everybody. Signs to, to know the coming of Christ. But it's basically written to the Jewish people. The book of Matthew is Jewish-minded. Matthew was the kind of person, he was trying to convince the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. And he wanted to convince them that they would never accept Jesus if they, he couldn't prove that Jesus was of the seed of David. If he didn't come from the lineage of David. And I'm trying to, I don't want to get ahead of you. But the whole book of Matthew is, is addressing the Jewish people. We look at the book of Matthew as Christians and say, this is the prophecies. These are the signs that we look for for the coming of Christ. But basically, that whole thing of the book of Matthew it was that God was trying to convince the Jewish people. Chad, you sell automobiles. You ever saw when they bring out an automobile? I mean, just off the assembly line, or are they trying to promote it? They put it on this 
thing, they spin it around. And everybody has a different idea about that automobile, right? One looks at it, he says, I'm looking for a family car. So he's family-minded, right? He's trying to see how he could better fit his family, better fit his family. And the other one goes by, he's looking for a car with power. Something that moves, you know what I'm saying? Power. And, he's, and, and they got another one comes. He's looking for a, a, a business car. Something that help, he can use in business mind. And the other one comes. He, he puts his ear on that engine. And he wants to know what makes it tick. <laughs> well, Matthew is writing, writing to the Jewish people. His family. He's looking for a family car. Mark is trying to reach the Romans. So he's, Romans, you have to demonstrate some kind of power. So they're looking, they want to hear you, you better prove to us, Jesus. In Mark, they have more miracles taking place possibly than any part of the Bible. Because the Romans would have not accepted it if he couldn't prove the power that came with it, right? And Luke, some people say he was more business-minded, so he was, he was trying to, Confess the Greeks and, 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 and people like that were business people. But John did it this way. He put his ear on that motor, Ray. He wanted to know what makes it thick. You know the book of John? There's things in there nobody can understand but a believer. <laughs> Come on. What did he say? Uh, if, uh, 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 God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish. If I tell you that, you're going to know what it means. But for an unbeliever, how, 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 how can you understand it? Like, you know, except the man be born again. Even Nicodemus, that came to Jesus. He was a scholar. He could quote the first five books of the Bible by heart, and he was lost. <laughs> because how can, he said, how can this thing be, a man be born? Can he go a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, Have you, are you a teacher in Israel? And you don't even know this? That which is born of the water or the, inside the mama is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. So he was explaining Nicodemus. But you see, the thing is that you had to convince these people that Jesus was the Messiah, Right? So Matthew goes and did all this stuff, and he's explaining the time of the end about when Jesus would come back, and he set up his rule and reign on the earth. But the rapture is not found in the Bible because the word rapture, it means to be caught up. That is found in the Bible. Resurrection is found in the Bible. That's the same word. The rapture, uh, the resurrection Caught up is the same word. Now, I'm, I'm actually going to close your Bible. I mean, I got time. We're going to go through this another day. But it's so fascinating to understand it. You know what I'm saying? Close your Bible, and I'm going to quote some stuff to you, okay? First thing Jesus warned them, take heed that no man deceive you, right? There were going to be liars in the last days. That were going to come and lie to people, Okay? And if you ever read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says that there was something hindering the Antichrist from being revealed. Now, you got to read that stuff because there's so much in it. They said, unless he be taken out of the way, 
What hinders the devil? God-fearing people, right? Faith people. People that believe in the word and know how to pray. See, as long as there's a church in the world, Satan is hindered. I know he's doing a lot of stuff, but he still can't do half of what he's going to do in the tribulation period. Because of the faith of the believer. So unless that, per- that is taken out of the way, unless it is caught up. Now, there's something about that passage. Mean Boo was talking about this morning. There are two things. When you say the word falling away, that is a mass departure from the faith. In the last days, many shall fall away, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. See, religion is always going to play a part in it, okay? Religion is always going to be there. But it's what religion is going to be there. It's what you're going to believe, right? So there's going to be a departure from the faith, but there's always going to be a religion there. They're giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There's a lot of preachers preaching doctrines of devils, okay? It's not the gospel. (laughs) Come on, somebody. It's not the word of God. So you as a Christian, I can't go to your house and say, well, look, follow this and do this. You have to, you come to church to learn, but you got to go and look at it yourself. You have to learn to stand in the fight against the wiles of the devil. You have to go out there and say, this is not God's word. And I'm not going to accept anything that's not coming from this book. Right? He says this. The church will be taken away. I believe that. And then that man of sin is going to be revealed. See, Satan, Antichrist can't come on the scene. He's there now. I believe that. He's very close. But to expose him, for him to have the course he needs to be able to do what he wants to do, that the church can't, can't be here. Right. He, we're hindering him. This little church in Coda Homes hindering him. As long as you're praying and standing with the word of God, you hinder him, right? And remember that. Now, if you read 1 Thessalonians 4 through 18, it talks about the coming of Christ. talks about when Jesus comes. The, the dead in Christ shall arise. See, John is, I mean, uh, Paul is trying to convince these people, a lot of these people, had gotten the, the idea that the rapture had happened already during the writing of 1 Thessalonians. And the rapture had taken place and now there was no hope. Our dead loved ones, they didn't go. They were worried about the people who had died already. And Paul had to confirm him. No, he, he didn't come yet. Because he says, he wrote, when he quotes this, the dead in Christ shall go first. And them which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. <laughs> and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So encourage each other with these words daily. That's what the Bible says. So Paul, a lot of these people were getting to the point where they, you know, they were thinking that Jesus was coming in their day. See, Jesus didn't even know when he was coming. He said that was left up to the Father. Angels didn't know. But my father only. I got time. You need to go back and read some of this stuff and study. Jesus has no idea when he's coming back. He knows. He said, you know the season. As the fig tree blossoms at a certain time of the year, you know that is summer is nigh. Doesn't the figs blossom before summer? 
But he says, when you see all these things come to pass, the wars, the famines, uh, all this stuff coming to pass, you know that the summer is near. He says, look up. <laughs> there are things that are happening right now could never be fulfilled, but in any other time than our day. For one incident, when, Jesus, when the tribulation period, they're going to have two guys that are going to be preaching on the street. Some say Moses and Elijah. Some say Moses and Enoch. It, it, it don't matter, right? But they're going to they're gonna preach, y'all, and they're going to kill them. And for three days, their dead bodies are going to lay in Jerusalem. But after the third day, the Spirit of God's going to come, and they're going to get up, and they're going to ascend up into heaven. And you know what? The Bible says the whole world's going to see it. Now, back when that was given, that was impossible. But let something happen overseas. In 30 minutes, it's going to be on the satellites and, and on the Internet. And everybody's going to see it. <laughs> you see, that couldn't be fulfilled in Jesus' day. Right? But today it is. Today, you can see it in 30 minutes, if not, not sooner. And the whole world's going to see them get up <laughs> and ascend up. In heaven. And I thought about that. I said, look, let me show you something else. Jesus said this gospel is going to be preached throughout all the world. And then shall the end come. Do you know today in this little church, this message is going on the internet? People from Germany can hear it. Russia. China. We in to homes, Lord. In the back sticks. The gospel is out there. It's being heard all over the world now. But it couldn't happen in Jesus' day. Right? You stop and you, you register that in your head. But brilliant, this, this, he's coming. <laughs> he's coming. The day of the Lord, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 11, from 1 to 11, says the day of the Lord is like a thief in the night. Come on. A thief is not going to call you at your house and say, I'm coming to rob you. <laughs> if he does, he's going to be waiting with a shotgun. <laughs> so, the one who owns the house is going to be ready for him. Right? To blow him up. Blow his head off his shoulders or something. He's never going to let you know ahead of time, hey, I'm coming to rob your house at 9 o'clock. The, the thief never gives you a warning, right? Well, Jesus is coming like a thief in the night. He's not going to give you a warning. He's giving you the signs. He's letting you know. He's telling you to be ready, right? Now you have all these date setters. That's what I call them. Jesus is coming in. 1914, uh, Jehovah, he's coming back in 1927. He's coming back in 1948. He's coming back in, he's giving all, he never shows up. Matter of fact, the Jehovah's Witness expected Elijah and Moses to come. So they build a big old, 1927, they build a big old mansion, man, so they can live in. <laughs> but they never show you who's living in it. Charles Russell. Was living it. The head of the Jehovah's Witness movement, leaders were living it. They got it. But never showed up. <laughs> oh boy. But even then, we didn't have the technology we have today. He's coming. 
He's coming. John 14, 1 says, I've go, Jesus was telling his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. Ever read that? He's got a place set for you. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I am. See, if he's, if he's coming, and people have the argument, when is he coming? Oh, he's coming to the end of the tribulation. Coming. Well, you know, if he's preparing a place for me and I'm going to meet him, then he has to come before the tribulation period. Because he's in heaven, right? I'm going to meet him. I'm going to come back with him. You know, the Bible says we're going to come back with him at the end of Armageddon. But to get that all mixed up, <laughs> I don't want to get you. But he says, I'm going to meet him. Right? He's got a place for me. Listen, if you are not sure that you're saved, don't leave this building today till you make sure. Because he could come back before this service is over. Well, I think I'm going to take my chances. You, you're a good gambler because I, I sure can't. I'm not taking no chance like that. For what? To accept what I see out there? Death, hatred, pride, lying, wickedness. I'll take Jesus any day, right? Any day. I'm not going to miss out on Christ, the rapture, the coming of the Lord for some lying man of deceiving, hateful people that don't know what to do with their lives. Not somebody it amounts to, right? Government don't know what to do. Religion doesn't know what to do. A lot of preachers stop preaching this, y'all, because we don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. You better be uncomfortable if you're not right with God. You better make sure. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be much longer. We shall not all sleep in 1 Corinthians 5, 51. 15, 51, I'm sorry. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. The dead in Christ shall, and I go on, I just go... And we which alive him, shall we call up in the Lord? Listen, I believe Paul honestly thought by reading his writings that he thought Jesus was coming in his day. Because he doesn't write that with expecting Jesus to come a thousand years from then. He just told us to wait. Expect him. Be ready. Because he said, we're not going to all die. Well, they all died. <laughs> I'm talking about Paul and the apostles. They all died. Because they thought he was, they were coming. Even Jesus, like I said earlier, didn't know when he was coming. Because if you read in, in Matthew 24, you find out it seems like Jesus didn't think he was going to be that long gone. Because he makes it very clear, you know, about the apostles. He said, he said uh, you're going to be taken up and, and the governments are going to put you in jail. They're going to kill you for my name's sake. And he makes it just like it was going to happen just maybe a few years later. But it didn't. Because the Lord didn't know exactly when he was coming back. He never said he was coming back January 1st of 2023. Never said he was coming back 1914 of such and such day. You know something? I'm looking at that clock when I'm fixing to finish. You know there's no clock in heaven? There is none. 
You see, God is not subject to time like me and you. We, we on the earth, we, we're bound by time. You know what I'm saying? We do everything by time. We go to work at a certain time. We come back home at a certain time. We eat at a certain time. We do all of those things based on. But you know, what's the day today? The 30th of, of April, right? 2023. You know that's not, that, that's, that's not the date in heaven? Because there's no, there's no day. <laughs> you ever thought about that? There's no clock. There's no calendar. He says every day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years. It means God, time don't mean nothing to God. It could be a thousand years or one day. It's the same to him. I'll blow your mind. <laughs> oh, I like delivering that system. <laughs> Seriously. What a great thing that would be. It don't matter to God. God comes when he's ready. You understand that? Tribulation is a time for God to judge this earth and to bring it back under Christ. First Timothy says this, perilous times shall come for men will be lovers. I read, I read, men shall be lovers of their own selves. They're going to be boastful, proud. Perilous times, troubled times. We live in, we, 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 it's only the beginning right now. You ain't, gonna, you ain't seen nothing to what's going to happen. It means it get worse, Brother Lane? Oh, yeah. Your faith's going to be tested. I wish I could tell you it's going to be easy. I wish I could tell you you're not going to face trials. I'd be lying to you. Because Satan's not going to sit back and let you just keep it into heaven. He's going to do everything he can to stop you. And if you're not serious today, you're going to give in to him. You're going to fall in his trap. Listen to me, praise God. Don't let the devil lie to you. He doesn't love you. He doesn't want, he wants to kill you. He wants you in hell with him. And if he can keep you out of this book, keep you out of prayer, keep you out of church, he's going to do it. Because he knows that's the only place you can hear God. See? Oh, yeah. And he goes on, he says this, and I'm finishing, you know, serious. I got too much to... Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 through 3 talks about the righteous coming out of the dust of the earth. That's going to that's gonna be the that Paul was just reading. The dead in Christ shall arise first. So they're going to be there. They're going to go before them, before us. And you go on to Matthew chapter 24, verse 26 through 44. Basically talks about the day and the hour knows no man. Don't When people get on the TV and say, well, he's coming and... Like the mines did a few years back. He was coming, what, 2000? What? I don't forget what it was. Yeah, he was coming back and he had a Mayan calendar. Everybody put it on the TV, man. The mines are the best people to tell time. Nothing happened. 1988 was, I was a young Christian here. And a man put out a book, made millions. 88 reasons why the Lord is coming back in 1988. You know, it passed and he never came. A lot, this church was full. <laughs> I mean, it was full, man. But I, I was there, you know, and everybody was in church. But man, the day it happened, the day it didn't come. I don't remember what day it was, but it was the, the, the year. The minute it passed, they all winded off. Yep. You know what? If you really came that day, they wouldn't have went. Because <laughs> it wasn't here for the right reasons, right? Uh -huh. They'd have been shocked. 
because it would have been very few they went. It might have still been full. <laughs> Any reason. I remember that. That was so, and I, and I was caught up. I, I wanted Jesus to come back. I was just, but I never stopped coming to church. I never let it hinder me from serving the Lord. But I, want, I wish he would have come back in 1988. Okay. But he didn't. But the Bible told me no man knows the day or the hour. So if I did what the Bible says, you can't, you can't. <laughs> this man don't know what he's talking about. But most Christians, not knowing the word of God, not reading their Bible, was gullible. They bought into it lying, hook, and sinker. And today a lot of them might, might, not, might be in hell because some died. But they bought into it. But we woke up and we said, well, no, they lied to us, Right? The Lord, it says, the Lord is long-suffering in 2 Peter chapter uh, 8, verse 213. That's why I believe God ain't come yet. Because he don't desire that no man perish. The Bible says he's long-suffering. He wants everyone saved. That's just the mercy of God, right? That's why God ain't come yet. But there is a mercy line. There's a time when he, he's going to come. But I don't want to be caught on the other side of the fence. Hallelujah. I want to be on the right side. Right? And it goes on. In Matthew 25, 1 through 13, talks about watch, for you know not when the Lord Jesus is coming. And we talked about, when you actually read the, the story of the, 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 the virgins, 10 were wise, 10 were foolish. They were going out to a wedding. And the, the, and, when, and, 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 and the thing about that is that they had all lanterns, like lamps. We, we see, you know, the little... Uh, Kerosene lamps, I guess, of some kind. And they had to put oil in, it, in those lamps. And, and they was going to the wedding. And, and there was a call made. In, but five had oil in their lamps and five didn't. The ones that had oil in their lamp was ready. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. They were ready for when the bridegroom made the call. But the foolish said, give us some of your oil. Said, no, that's not going to be enough for both of us. Go buy for yourself. So while he went and bought oil, come back, he had come already. <laughs> come on, somebody. Ooh. <laughs> I'm fixing to stop, but man, I could preach on that. Jesus said, watch. For you don't know what hour your Lord coming. Watch. I said, watch. He's coming. The foolish didn't make it. You see, I always saw it like this. And, and you know what? I, I kind of like to visualize things. You know what I, mean? I mean, that's what Boogie gives that all the visions he has. I like to visualize. I could see God looking over the earth, right? And it was, dark, it was darkness. Oh, it's dark, okay? And he sees your little light, your little light, your little light, your little light. And, and out of all the world, he speaks of little specks, Right? And your lamp is lit. Come on, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Listen to me. I see Janice's lamp. I see Lawrence's lamp. I see all. I see all y'all. I see, I see it. I, I know where they're at. Come on, Holy Ghost. They lit up their lamps and they're waiting for me. But if you're just playing church, you ain't going to have no oil in your lamp. My Lord, I feel like preaching, bro. I'm stopping, seriously. <laughs> if you're just, you're just religious, you, there's no oil in your lamp. 
If you think it's a game, it's not. You're going to regret the day that you didn't fill that lamp up. Come on, Holy Ghost. You're going to regret the day you let that lamp go dry. And I'm talking about faith in general. You're going to regret the day you didn't put no oil in it. Because he's coming. And he's going to look at you. And say, Lord, open to us. Because he said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. My God, are you ready for crisis coming? Now he said, well, then I'm struggling. That's, hey, today, you have today to start. Right? Don't we? Well, I want to have fun. I want to do my thing. Don't, don't, listen, that's the most dangerous philosophy in the church. I got a lot of years to worry about that. I'm going I'm, to I'm accept Christ when I get old. You might not get old. You know, most, most funerals right now happen. There's young people dying more than older people now. They're dying under 50 right now. A lot of 20s and 30s and 40s. Most of the funerals homes are filled with young people right now. Because the devil don't want them to hear. The devil don't want them to get saved. So he's going to kill them young. I'm going to ask you a question. Stand up if you can a minute. Believe me, I'm not going to ask for your hands. You, you know where you are with God, okay? Seriously, I'm, I'm just... I know where I'm at with God. All right? I'm here as a messenger, right? I can't save you. I was thinking about my family. I said, Lord, I, what about my children? My family. As close as I am to my wife, I can't take her to heaven. <laughs> right? She has to make the decision. Right. I want to go with her. The rapture happens, we're going to grab each other by the hand and say, let's go. I said, if we die before the rapture happens, I want to be buried on top of each other. And I said, we're just going to reach each other by the hand and come out of the grave. Grab it and take off with her. But I still can't take her to heaven. As much as you want, you can't take that wife to heaven or that husband to heaven. Right. There has to be a decision in your own heart whether you're going to serve God with your life, Right. How, how real is that? Church is wonderful. But you, the church doesn't save you. Right? You look at all the things, even prayers. Wonderful. I thank God. I can't make it without prayer. Seriously, I can't make it without. I wouldn't know where to go if I didn't have God tell me. Right? But even prayer could get religious. Because you think if I pray for 15 minutes, 20 minutes a day, then surely God's going to accept me. That's not true. God accepts. When he told David, he chose David. David was the smallest one of his brothers. You remember the story? When, when God said, "Go, I got a king and set us all. You got to read the story of it. He said, Sam, Samson went. Oh, Samson, not Samson. We're going to be stuck on Samson. Samuel, <laughs> the prophet went. He looked at the first. He's big, Lawrence. He's strong. He's a muscular brother. Surely he must be the one, Lord. He said, I didn't choose him. <laughs> Come on, Holy Ghost. He said, well, it must be that one. And he's, he's pretty strong. He's muscular. He looks like a king. He's ne his next brother. No. Nope. He went way down the line. J uh, David had seven brothers. <laughs> and, and the Lord says, Samuel says, Lord, I ran out of men. I ran out of brothers. And he asked Jesse, he said, ain't there another one? 
Yeah, but I didn't even think to bring him in the, in the room. <laughs> He's a runt. <laughs> He's puny. Go get him. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Go get him. And little David would sheep all over him, smelling the dirt and the sheep and everything else. God said, that's the one I chose. He said, next time you go for me, you don't look at the contents or outward appearance of a man, but God judged the heart. Yep. God judged the heart. If God was to judge the heart today, what would he see? Would he see David? Yes. Or would he see Eli, the oldest brother, the muscular God, the one that looks tough? <laughs> now listen you just bow your heads and one question ask yourself God am I ready to meet you when you come my Lord I feel the Holy Ghost saying that am I ready to meet you when you come and I want you to pray with me dear God in heaven I need the peace of knowing that I'm right with you. I ask you to wash away every sin in my heart and give me the strength and the Holy Spirit to live for you, to obey your word, to separate myself from this world. I believe Jesus died and he's coming back. And I put my faith in him. Today, I make a confession that it, as much as is in me, I'm going to serve Jesus all the days of my life.